Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. All over the world that could qualify. What has made this modern-day red heifer so impossible lies in the description that we find in Numbers chapter 19. Listen as I read this. Numbers chapter 19 says this, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein there is no blemish, and upon which a yoke has never come. So the area that this has to meet, keep those things in mind. There is not a, a spot of, of not red fur. There's no blemish on it, no scar, nothing. And upon the yoke that has never come, that, that the, the heifer was never used for work. You see, cows that are raised in commercial dairy farms are subjected to all sorts of blemish-causing conditions. Uh, pierced ears, you know, with the, with the tag on there, or maybe even branded or even just cuts and bruises from, you know, cattle slamming into each other. This article was saying that even one of these that rubbed up against a broken fence and scarred its side would be disqualified. It even went on to say that a vaccinated cow could be counted as a blemish. We won't read too much into that these days. Additionally, cows on commercial farms are, of course, used for work, and it is forbidden according to the red heifer criteria. Ultimately, in order to be a kosher red heifer, it must be arranged from birth, explained Richmond. The animal must be supervised and watched and cared for. The Temple Institute has already had a small success with the birth of a few completely red cows from frozen embryos. There's only one problem. They're not red heifers, they're red bulls. Disqualified. The latest update, March of this year, 2021, after six years into this process, there are two 99% red heifers. However, they have a few white and black hairs. So they're hoping there's a slight possibility for them to turn red, or again, they will be disqualified. You see, the point that I'm making this morning as as we uh, get into our, our verses here in a minute, the writer of Hebrews explains some of these, uh, in some of these verses that the red heifer was just a foreshadow to Christ who would come. There are similar similarities. One of the biggest is that the red heifer is very important to the temple because it has its blood and its ashes must, must be mixed in and spread all over the temple in order to purify the temple. It's also used if someone was to come in contact with a dead corpse. It would purify that person from death. That sounds kind of familiar. With the exception that Jesus' sacrifice is the only one that can actually defeat death. Purifying those who put their faith and trust in him and his sacrifice for purification. But I think it's, 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 it's pretty uh, it's crazy to think about that they're searching for or even creating uh, this red heifer. I mean, it's kind of neat if, if you think about it. It's fascinating because if they can produce one, which we know eventually there has to be one because eventually the third temple is built. But 
it would actually be used in the, the, um, in the sacrifice and, and in the, the ceremonies of the new temple, which I think is really cool. And, and it's neat that something that you know, happened some 5,000 years ago, they're trying to replicate today. And I, I love when we see ancient biblical stuff and, and you see it happening these days. To me, there's, it, it's just really cool. But here's the point. We know that in end times this will take place, like I said, but even in the end, church, the red heifer will not ultimately save Israel, but the blood of Jesus will. Amen? And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is, What Can Take Away My Sin? Amen. Good job, guys. Right on cue. Now, again, there are some similarities between the old and the new, co- the old covenant and the new covenant. It was blood sacrifices, faith in God, but somehow Israel, when their Messiah came, they kind of missed it. And it's always been about having faith in God and allowing that to be your guide. But the old covenant, the old covenant, the old covenant is no longer a viable way to go to the Father. Amen. Jesus says in, in John 14, 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one will come to the Father except by me. Eventually, Israel will one day bow at the feet of Jesus. This is why the writer of Hebrews was so adamant trying to convince these Jews who just converted to Christianity not to go back to performing the rituals of the Old Covenant. Let's see Let's get into our verses this morning. Uh, we have a few of them, 18 uh, to speak of. Hebrews 9, 11 through 28. I'm going to read these and follow along with me. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of the heifer, see there's our heifer, sanctify the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience? from dead works, to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is still alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to the people, he took the blood of calves and of goats and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 
Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For when he would have to su- then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So if we take these 18 verses, I know you guys, you know, caught all of that, right? If we take these 18 verses and we condense them down into one main idea, we get this. Jesus is the superior sacrifice, mediator of the new covenant, and will one day return for his people. This is the main point that the, the writer's trying to get across here. And if you notice in the book of Hebrews, I love how the writer, he'll bring up a point He'll, he'll cement it, then he'll move on, and then he'll cement that point, but he'll bring up another, the same point again just to, to, to keep cementing that in these uh, believers' heads. So let's break down these verses to see why this statement is true. Let's go back to, uh, we're going to start in verse 14. 11 through 13 is just remind us how Jesus is our perfect priest and he, how he is better than any other sacrifice. So picking up in, in 14, it says, How much more... Will the blood of Christ, who's through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish? So again, picking that up, without blemish. Purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. So we see right off the bat, it was only by Jesus' own blood and death that he could be our salvation. It was only through the blood and the death of goats and cows that mankind could be temporarily forgiven. But here's the catch. They weren't human, so they couldn't truly represent us. Verse 14, it says, so how much more will the blood of Christ represent us? It could be only the blood of Jesus because he was fully human. He was fully God, fully human. But more importantly, the only perfect human to ever live without blemish. So his life was perfect without blemish, so his blood was perfect to cover the imperfections of our sin permanently. We, we could see also that, that he's the mediator between man and God. Why? Because not only was his blood perfect and sinless, he laid down his life voluntarily as a sacrifice for us, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. 
And at that point that he did that, he created, he inaugurated the new covenant with mankind. And what's neat there uh, in 16 and 17 is where it starts talking about a will, for where there's a will involved. Well, will could also be translated covenant. But what's, what's cool is that if you, if you put those two verses together, you almost see like Jesus' last will and testament was to accrue payment for our sin that we redeemed at his death, like an inheritance. I just thought that was a pretty cool little side note. But this brings us to our first point. Brings us to our first point. Jesus became the mediator of the new covenant by willingly shedding his own blood and giving his own life. So Jesus became the mediator of the new covenant by willingly shedding his own perfect blood and willingly giving his own life. This could only happen by the one who had pure, perfect blood without blemish and was willing to lay his life down for us all. I was having a conversation with somebody at work uh, the other day, and they were talking about blood sacrifices and, and why would they do that to Jesus? Like, if Jesus loved us, why would we massacre him? And, 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 and uh, you know, shed his blood. Well, we find the answer to that in uh, our next block of verses. Church, no blood, no covenant. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, and with water and scarlet and wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with uh, blood the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of these heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices. So we see verse 18, even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood. Uh, Verses 19 through 20, Moses commanded them as he got word from God to shed the blood of the heifer, to sprinkle everything with the sacrificial blood and the ashes, even the tabernacle itself for the purification. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So I I don't understand, and maybe someone can help me with this, why many churches and pastors today are getting away from speaking about the blood of Jesus. I don't get it. There's actually Bible translations that are removing the blood of Christ. If Jesus did not shed his blood, folks, we're in deep trouble. I mean, it might seem weird to talk about blood sacrifices for forgiveness of sin, and to some, I guess it makes God seem like some crazy, angry, mean, unloving God. I once was uh, speaking to an atheist, and and he brought up what he thought was a very good point to me, and he's just, you know, as we were discussing the gospel message, and he said, what kind of psychopath would murder his own son in that fashion? Like I said, he thought it was a a good point. There's three things this morning that we need to understand about Jesus shedding his blood. Number one, we already kind of covered the shedding. There is no 
forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So it is absolutely necessary. And again, it had to be Jesus. He was the only human that ever lived a perfect life. Therefore, his blood was the only pure and holy blood that would create a permanent sacrifice because he was human and he was able to represent humans. But the third, and what this guy didn't understand, he was not murdered by his father. He willingly laid down his life as ransom for us all. Amen? That is exciting. What a loving God he is. That brings us to our second point. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, and the only permanent sacrifice was Jesus himself. Again, as the writer of Hebrews is trying to shift these people away from these rites and these these temporary things into a more permanent thing of the new covenant, and just like the red heifer had to be sacrificed for the purification of death, Jesus sacrificed himself for the purification of all sin. But Jesus' sacrificial blood was superior because he was human, he was pure, and he sacrificed himself. And that makes it once and for all. It again reminds us of our main idea this morning. Jesus is the superior sacrifice, mediator of the new covenant, and will one day return for his people. Well, let's pick up on that last part of that main idea in our last block of verses. Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice, comes back to collect his people. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. So Jesus entered heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for when he, then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin. Don't miss that, church. He's going to appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting him. So Jesus had to go to the Father to appear before him on our behalf. It's not a repeated thing. He is the once and for all sacrifice. And we see in in 26 and 27, just as is it appointed man to live once, die and face judgment. Okay, that's very important. You know, especially speaking to people that think of things like reincarnation or, or, or ideas like that. Listen, church, we're going to live once on this earth. We're going to die and then face judgment. But the judgment is not exactly what you think it is. If you die in your sins, you face a different judgment than if you die under the blood of Christ, putting your faith in him. If you die as a believer in Jesus, we will be judged for our Christian walk. We'll be judged according to what we did with the knowledge of the gospel. We're not going to be judged according to our sin. 
Because as it's said there, not to deal with sin when Jesus comes back. Also, with the unbeliever, it's not going to be a trial with the unbeliever. It's not going to be like, here's your life. Did you do more good than bad? If someone dies in their sin as an unbeliever, the judgment is the sentence. It's not a court hearing. It's very important and it's worth mentioning. This judgment is as a carrying out of a sentence. Not com- he's not coming to judge sin. We're all born sinners. We're all guilty. That's past. He will come back to save those who have already put their faith in him. Let me ask you, church, to save us from what? What is Jesus going to come back and save us from? Think about that. He's coming back to save us from his wrath. That's kind of scary to think about. This loving God who's coming back not to judge sin, but to save his people from his wrath. Praise you, Lord, that we can be saved by believing in you today. Amen? Brings us to our third point. One day Jesus will return, and only those who have put their faith in his sacrifice will be saved. That's as clear as we can make it this morning. He will return, and only those that have already placed their faith in his sacrifice, in his work on the cross, in his resurrection, in his work will be saved. Jesus, the once and for all perfect sacrifice, will return one day to judge the nations, and only those who know Jesus will be saved. And as I call Hallie up, there you are over there. You're usually over there. You threw me off. As I close, I just want us to think about this, church. The ramifications of, of what we learned in our text this morning, because it doesn't really matter what religion it is. Religion is useless to get you into heaven. But Jesus is more than enough. And we we see this as we remember our first point. Jesus became the mediator of the new covenant by willingly shedding his own blood and giving his own life. Jesus willingly shed his own blood and gave his own life simply because there was no other way. There was no other way to make us right before God. Church, I know I, I ask this often, but... Have you truly placed your faith in the work of Christ? Amen. Or are you trying to recreate a perfect red heifer? If there was any other way that God could have made us right with him, I think he would have did it without the death of his own son who offered himself to be tortured and killed on our behalf just so we could know the Father. Church, let's make sure that is our focus as we continue to build our relationship with our Father in heaven. Amen? And never shy away from point number two. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood and the only permanent sacrifice is Jesus himself. It had to be done. Some people get so wrapped up in talking about the wrath and the punishment of God. And even for a split second in this room, when I mentioned that God was coming to pour out his wrath, we kind of, 
Wow, that's, that's kind of tough. It's rough to think about. But church, it's true. God is a God of love, but he's a God of justice. And the people that don't like to hear about the justice of God, it's funny because they seem to love justice here on earth. Like if someone was to rob or steal from them, they would demand justice. If someone was to back up into their car in a parking lot, they would demand justice. You must pay for this. Something must be done to make this right. Well, just like when we break earthly laws, there's a consequence. When we first sin, shortly after our first breath, there was eternal consequences. Nowhere, when someone says that God is not a God of love, nowhere in the history of mankind was there ever the wrath of God and the love of God meeting in the same place like the cross. It was God pouring out his wrath on mankind and Jesus there to receive it for us because of his love of humanity. That is a loving God, folks. And the outcome of all of this is our final point. One day, Jesus will return, and only those who put their faith in his sacrifice will be saved. One day, he will return, and only those that put their faith in his sacrifice will be saved. Make no mistake, church, Jesus is coming back. And one day, he will return for his children. He will return for those who have placed their faith in him. Church, we have to remember, just as Jesus came the first time, it's what we just celebrated yesterday, right? Christmas. Jesus came the first time as the sacrificial lamb. But you have to know this. When he comes again, he's coming back as the lion. He left as the sacrificial lamb, but he's coming back as the lion, and he's coming to pour out his wrath on a sin filled world that has rejected him. Again, I know we don't like to hear that, but that is the God's honest truth. There was a great quote by uh, Pastor John MacArthur I saw this, this week, and it said, think about this, the first time, speaking of Jesus, the first time he came, there was no room for him at the inn. The next time he comes, the whole world won't be able to contain his glory. It's like, so insignificant the first time that he couldn't even get a spot in the end. But when he comes back again, the world will not be able to contain his glory. What a glorious day that will be for us that truly know him. Amen? And that reminds us of our, our main idea. Jesus is the superior sacrifice, mediator of the new covenant, and will one day return for his people. Let's pray. Praise you, Father, that you have made a way for us to be saved. Help us to know the truth of the gospel and not shy away from it because its truth might offend somebody or that we're going to be worried about what the world will think. Because, Lord, without the full truth of the gospel, the world cannot be saved. Praise you, Father, for your love and your mercy and how you made a way through your Son for us to be saved. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.